I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. This week it is my pleasure to welcome Christy Wegner, director and producer of the new Netflix documentary, I Am Vanessa Guillen. Here's the trailer. Her case is grabbing headlines across the nation. People want to know, where is Vanessa Guillen? Where's my sister? They know where she is and I want them to speak up. This was not one of those cases the military can sweep under the rug. Vanessa's always been the bravest of all of us. Something was wrong with her the few months after she was stationed at Fort Hood. Not being able to sleep, losing weight. She would tell me that things weren't what they seemed. Dijo, si he sido acusada por un superior. Ahí en Fort Es una ave de corrupción, de maldad. I called the staff sergeant. He's like, we don't know anything about her. You guys don't have cameras, nothing. And they were like, no. The military did not give a damn. Fort Hood seems to cultivate the worst of the worst. A lot of missing soldiers, a lot of dead soldiers, a lot of bad there. She's in the army. She's supposed to be safe there. Ya traté yo y nada le Estos animales, dije, no me van a buscar a mi niña. Yo tuve buscar a mi hija yo. The Guillen family were not going to stay quiet. The Hispanic culture is the sleeping giant, and the Guillen family woke it up. People using my sister as a resemblance of themselves. Hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen. I remember saying she is us. It kept going and growing. What's her name? Vanessa! Sexual assault scandals are the new norm for the military. Clearly an epidemic. We had no other choice but to go and fight for a legislation under my sister's name. The military counts on survivors and their families staying quiet, and they miscalculated dramatically. If we got Congress to listen, then we can get Congress to pass the bill. This is our last chance. They do not support the full Vanessa Guillen Act. We have to really push on them. This is not a Republican, Democratic issue. This is not a race issue. This is a human issue, so it should be everyone's issue. That was the trailer for the new Netflix documentary, I Am Vanessa Guillen, and this is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. Vanessa Guillen was 20 years old when she was found murdered at a U.S. Army base. Rather than submit to silence, her family fought for justice and change. Join us as we talk with director and producer Christy Wegner about the bravery and courage of Vanessa's family as they took on the U.S. Army and brought their fight to the halls of power in Washington, D.C. to ensure that justice is served, not just for Vanessa, but for all victims of sexual abuse. Ultimately, the tragic story has an uplifting ending and helps us reflect on what being part of a family truly means. Stay tuned. Christy Wegner, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Really good. We've had a, an incredible reaction to the film. It's been out for a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, we've been blown away. Yes. Uh, just to remind our listeners and viewers, we're talking about I Am Vanessa Guillen. It's uh, streaming now on Netflix. So yeah, again, welcome. Thank you for joining us and congratulations. And a thank you for making bringing this uh, story to to the screen. It's uh, very much a much appreciated. I really really enjoyed watching it. Um, maybe you can tell um, you know for how we usually uh, kick things off is uh, 
Maybe explain to our listeners what I Am Vanessa Guillen is all about. Maybe a brief synopsis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is a film that really explores uh, the pervasive issue of sexual uh, misconduct in the military, which has become an epidemic. And we tell this, uh, we look at this issue through the case of Vanessa Guillen, who was a uh, soldier stationed at a base in Texas called Fort Hood. Uh, Vanessa was being sexually harassed by other soldiers at the base, her sort of command, chain of command, and she ultimately was uh, murdered by another soldier on the base. Uh, this happened in April of 2020, um, right when COVID hit, and her family, I mean, at the time, Vanessa just went missing. No one knew she'd been murdered. No one knew what happened uh, because the soldier who murdered her essentially uh, hid the crime, concealed her remains. And um, Vanessa's family launched a uh, basically nationwide search to find her and really utilized the media, galvanized the community, uh, specifically the Latino community in Texas, to really get behind them and keep uh, pressure on the base, uh, who was um, being somewhat quiet about uh, Vanessa's disappearance. Um, and they they just kept the attention on the case, and um, ultimately Vanessa's remains were found a little more than two months after she um, she went missing. But we we basically explore this big issue through this singular case and uh, focus on the family's efforts. Right, and it's amazing. I mean, I guess every singular case potentially could could be done this way. But what is amazing to me is that the singular case is, as you say. It it uh, shines a light on this issue of uh, sexual harassment in the military, but it, it it's done. This one singular case has done so much. It's it's an absolute, and it shines a light on so many things. Um, and I mean, back what I found interesting too is that you know the the family from the very beginning. There's just that something. There's an instinct there. There's a mother's instinct, a family instinct that knew because she hadn't been gone. I mean, even within hours, knew something horrible it happened they didn't expect necessarily this but they they could sense something was going on and there was they had a, they had inclinations that the things weren't all as they seemed at fort hood before this didn't they yeah you know that's such a great point i mean yeah there's sort of this um gloria vanessa's mother definitely had sort of a you know she felt it she felt that something was wrong instinctually and um you know one one incredible facet about this story is uh, the family has just um, the most incredible ability to express their emotions, to not hold back um, in a way that we all really relate to. Uh, You can feel how much they're worried. You can feel how much they love Vanessa. You can feel, you know, how desperate they become. And um, it's sort of everyone worst nightmare that they go through and I think one thing that really resonates with people is that everyone could put themselves in their shoes and in the worst way though imagining this is like the worst possible situation you'd never mm-hmm. want to happen to your daughter your sister um and I think it's one of the reasons the family's ability to communicate and express them, their emotions is one of the reasons everyone really were able to rally behind them they really were able to feel uh what the family was going through uh which was tragic yeah i mean what do you uh, that's because i was going to ask you uh, what what's the guillen family's secret because it's uh like you say well you've uh, hit, hit, um, 
mentioned this ability to communicate, but they, a lot of families, you know, uh, it's nothing against other families. A lot of families go through, have had to go through this, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, from the very beginning, they were rallying people. That, and this wasn't something that, they weren't like activists, a family of activists or anything, by any stretch of the imagination. But from the very beginning, rallying community, and as we'll probably talk about more uh, further on, is, uh, I mean, they didn't just stop there. They've taken it all the way to, to Washington and the halls of power. I mean, what... What is it? What's in the what's in the water that the Guillen family's uh, drinking, and you know, to to get them to this? To what do you think is the secret? I think that this is an incredibly close knit family, and and it's true. A lot of families are you know deeply connected, and of course love each other uh, immensely. Uh, the Guillen family, um, I think, there is a value system within the family which is. like the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have done to you. And I think, um, you know, they did take this uh, to DC. They did uh, take on this cause because they truly did not want anyone else, any other family to suffer in the way that they suffered. And um, there's something, it always makes me so emotional just to think about, because I, you know, witnessing them in this, um, the most, you know, horrific time of their life, in deep grief, decide they're going to stay in the public eye and fight for the greater good. I think, um, you know, they're just exceptional in that way. And they really do care about other people. They that they work from that place. They have an immense level of love in the family. And um, it's just an incredible value system. And they're also, uh, as as you can see in the film, they're so incredibly well-spoken, so smart, Mm. uh, persistent. And there's an incredible strength there. Uh, I mean, they took on the biggest institution in the country. Um, you know, you have to be incredibly courageous and brave to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's just an exceptional uh, combination of qualities. Yeah. And as you said, they took on one of the biggest institutions in the in the country. And I mean, you, you've already sort of alluded to what did the I mean, what did the U.S. Army do or do or not do? Um, First, before she was murdered, because there's a there she was is is I mean people should watch the film. I don't want to give away too much, but it's uh, I think it's pretty well known and a uh, matter of record. She was you know now we know for sure what what the family knew from the beginning that she was uh, harassed, uh, sexually harassed. Is what did the U.S. Army do about it? You know, the sexual harassment and assault issue is something um, that the military has been dealing with for decades. I mean, there's been a series of hugely high profile cases that come and go. Uh, You know, a lot of them happened in the early 90s and they've just continued. And, you know, the Army has definitely military overall, not just the Army, but the whole military has tried to find effective ways to deal with this problem. But they continue continuously fall short. It's a difficult problem. The military is huge. You know, they have a bunch of programs, but they've been, they're essentially ineffective because in the military, the biggest issue is, um, you know, there's the chain of command. So you, you know, all roads lead back to the chain of command. Uh, So if you're assaulted or if you're being harassed, your course of action in the military is to report to the chain of command. And oftentimes they're the perpetrators or they're friends with the perpetrators. 
And so, you know, it doesn't, it's not effective. Um, the other factor that really uh, allows this problem to be so persistent and pervasive in the military is um, the military has its own justice system that's not identical to the civilian justice system. Uh, in the military, you know, again, uh, the chain of command has huge uh, oversight over, you know, issues like what evidence gets approved or not approved in a case. Uh, they, you know, often pick the judge. They decide whether, previously they decided whether a case would even be prosecuted or not. Um, you know, that's not normal uh, in the civilian world. A boss of a company would not <laughs> uh, be able to, you know, make those decisions in, um, yeah, in the legal world. So those are factors that really have allowed this problem to continue to be, a you know, so persistent. And then there's an issue of culture, at least at certain in certain places. And I guess, you, the, as the film points out, uh, uh, certainly Fort Hood out in uh, outside Colleen, Texas, uh, I'm well aware of it, uh, uh, had its own toxic and notorious uh, culture there as well, didn't it? Yeah, you know, um, one of our subjects in the film, Lucy Del Guadio, says this so well. Uh, she served... You know, if you're if you're serving, there's always certain bases that are considered the hotspots, uh, the bases where you know uh, corruption is especially bad. Fort Hood is you know on that list for sure, um, and uh, yeah, that's one of the bigger bases, so harder base to manage. But um, yeah, there's definitely you know the rumor mill goes around, and there's definitely those bases that are especially problematic. Mm, okay, and then so. Um... Vanessa's, uh, well, she goes mur missing. Uh, we find out uh, she was murdered. Uh, and, you know, you, you've, we've already talked about what the, the, the issue has been with the, uh, the um, uh, criminal justice system within the Army. Uh, but the, um, it, it's almost like the Army sort of closes ranks after, the, after this all happens. And you've got this amazing story back to the family. I mean, a family, because you even have this point, I, one of the, someone said that, you know, the parents could even sh go on to the base because they're worried about their immigration status, right? So, mm -hmm. but they, they didn't shy away. They took on, they took on the U.S. Army. And even while this investigation is going on, when did they kind of start then also thinking about taking this to, to Washington and getting, and, and helping to, to change things? It's very quickly after after this all happens, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Vanessa's remains were found uh, essentially um, in late June, early July of that year, 2020, and the family was in DC in August um, mm. of that same year. So fighting for a bill, introducing legislation they met with uh, at that time, the former President Trump. Right. Um, so, you know, everything did sort of evolve really quickly. Their lawyer, Natalie Kawam, was a huge sort of reason for that. Um, but yeah, they, you know, I mean, a day felt like a week, um, for them during the search, you know, so, um, you know, they, they really struggled to get information from the military. Um, you know, even after Vanessa's remains were found, uh, I think Don Christensen in the film says, you know, the military relies on the privacy act to keep information from victims, mm. families. And so, um, you know, the Guillen family were in a constant battle. They, of course, want to know what happened to Vanessa in her final moments of life um, as much as they could. So, yeah, the the sort of fight continued and it was, you know, 
a multi-purpose fight to get more information about what happened and why it happened, but also to prevent this from happening to anyone else. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's actually not a bad point to place to uh, give our listeners and viewers a, an early break. We'll be right back with uh, Christy Wegner, director and producer of I Am Vanessa Guillen, currently streaming on Netflix. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Christy Wegner, director and producer of I Am Vanessa Guillen, currently streaming on Netflix. Uh... Christy, we're talking about uh, IMS, I am Vanessa Guillen and the family's uh, heroic efforts um, to, I guess, to 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 make sure that Vanessa didn't die in vain. Um, and you're with the family almost the whole journey, aren't you? I mean, how did you become become involved? It's quite incredible what you were you've you've captured on on film. Yeah, you know, we, um, you know, I, like many people, heard about Vanessa's disappearance probably a week after she was missing. Her sister, Myra, her older sister, uh, was posting on Facebook, you know, asking for anyone to help in in finding her sister. Um, I'm an older sister. When I saw Myra, it really resonated with me. Um, you know, as a family, we dealt with, you know, violence and different you know, some trauma. And I um, personally just took a vested interest in the outcome. Like everyone else, I was hoping Vanessa would be found. Um, And it was really devastating, um, you know, how this played out. And so uh, I'm in New York. I ended up going to DC just to support the family as they went and they would have marches, they would um, introduce, you know, they were introducing legislation. And so, you know, in going down there, I started to get to know their attorney and talk to them. And, uh, you know, it was a four or five month process of, you know, discussing all of this. But um, we realized there would be value in a documentary, uh, especially as they, um, you know, the first bill failed and they were about to pursue the second. So we started filming uh, right before the they started introducing the second bill. Um, yeah, and then we were just with them, um, and they were, um, you know, so willing to be vulnerable on camera. They, I mean, they didn't really even <laughs> acknowledge our, our presence, which was, you know, good. Um, but yeah, it's just a relationship. You know, they were very focused on, you know, their mission. So um, we were very fortunate to be able to follow them. Yeah. I think there's, don't you even capture that, and it's even in the film where they are debating it in some ways whether to even you know it's it's subtly done but uh do you really want i think someone says do you really want to make this film or do you really want to i don't know is that right i mean i think they want they're they're having a bit of a debate about whether to 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 or why put your you know they're they're living in the public eye these people who hadn't you know and uh putting themselves out there yeah, I think, I mean, I know, I, I don't know that we um, put that in the, they do talk about whether or not they want to um, continuously go to D.C. and pursue legislation. Maybe that's and they what did I'm as, Yeah, and they did as a family, um, you know, of course, have a discussion about whether or not there was value in doing um, a film. And I think that was uh, internal discussion they had over 
several weeks. Um, but ultimately, they did feel that, you know, it, it, it felt that we were aligned in the sense that we were in a way benefiting uh, their mission because, mm. you know, when there's cameras and you're going to D.C. and, you know, it puts an added layer of pressure on legislators in a way. It's sort of like, well, if you don't support this, it's captured. If you do support it, mm. it's captured. And I think they saw value in that. Um, and we saw value in we're capturing something historic. I mean, what they've done is... Uh, the most sweeping change to, you know, military law, I think ever. So, um, you know, it was mutually beneficial and it didn't feel exploitative, which, you know, it's so easy for a film, a crime yeah. film to feel that way. So uh, that was um, really fortunate. And how did, I mean, you have some, uh, as I have some experience with some filmmakers who've tried to film on Capitol Hill. It's not the easiest thing to do, but you've got to, uh, you you managed to get to access to uh, senators and congressmen's offices and discussion. I mean, I'm sure you, obviously you weren't there on the debates. They wouldn't let you do that. Uh, but uh, it's quite impressive what you were able to, the access you were able to achieve. Um, and as uh, the other element is there's very few things that are bipartisan. And I know it's not necessarily completely bipartisan, but it was a, there's a, definitely people on both sides of the aisle that were very, very supportive of this uh, legislation. Yeah, no, thank you. Those are both good points. And I have to make sure you give credit because I think um, access wise, um, a big part of that is Natalie Kwam, the attorney who knows, uh, you know, so many people on Capitol mm. Hill and I think really helped facilitate um, access and saw the advantage of for the point I made earlier about, you know, there is there is something to have having cameras in a room. Right. Um, and I think she even said something and this didn't make it in the film, but Natalie, the lawyer says, you know, you can trust in what someone says if they say it in front of a camera. She said she worries when they, if someone, a politician, for instance, wouldn't let a camera in a room. So uh, she questions the validity of what they're telling her. So, um, you know, and then, yeah, to the point about the bipartisanship, it was one of the few bills in the most divisive time in history that was bipartisan. And, uh, you know, it had to be in order to get passed. Um, and, um, you know, there was such great support on both sides of the aisle, and we really tried to show that uh, as much as possible because it was unique. Yeah, no, I think it was uh, it was very it, it was very impre uh, impressive and um, actually refreshing in that in that sense to see that people uh, that there's still hope that there people can work together. Um, and <laughs> but uh, I mean, there are many heroes in this tragic story, but I think I mean. What, what shines through too, we've back to the family again, but these sisters, uh, Myra and, and Lupe, are just absolutely incredible. Um, and uh, I don't think they're stopping, from what I can tell. Is, are there any updates on them in terms of where, where they're heading in, in their lives? Yeah, no, Myra and Lupe, I mean, I feel so hopeful um, about the future of the country with leaders like Myron Lupe. Amira is definitely um, going to pursue a career in politics um, and I think is in the process of figuring out that plan, uh, which hopefully will sort of evolve very quickly here. And then um, she's also running the I Am Vanessa Guillen Foundation, uh, which I think is going to be incredibly helpful to survivors of sexual misconduct. 
Um, Lupe is in college and um, has made enormous strides just in, I think in the film, you see that she really struggles emotionally and has really made huge strides. Um, you know, she wasn't able to play soccer because that's what she did with Vanessa. She's actually able to play again. Um, and I think she's figuring out her career path. Uh, I know journalism was something she's really considering exploring. Um, but, you know, they both uh, have immense potential and promise. And I think we're going to continue to hear from them both as the years uh, move forward. And as, uh, well, both are, Myron's particular, I mean, one thing that comes out in the film is that there is still more to be done um, and that the legislation wasn't the end of it. Is that part of what she's also working on in terms of uh, how things are, are handled in the in the military? Correct. I mean, right now, actually, as we speak, I think today she's working on, um, you know, they're they're introducing uh, additional provisions that weren't um, passed last year. They're actually working on getting them passed some of those right now this month. So um, I know she's a big part of that advocacy. Uh, and then there's another bill that um, will continue to build on the progress they made uh, with the first bill that she'll be supporting next year. So I, I think she's definitely back and forth uh, between Houston and D.C. And I think will continue to be a huge voice um, in this in this uh, fight for more justice. And then uh, back to the original case. And speaking of justice, we had the uh, it's only a few days ago, isn't it, that uh, one of the. Uh, well, at least the uh, accomplice of, of uh, was finally um, brought to justice. Is that is that right? Yeah, no, that was a huge relief. Um, Cecily Aguilar, who was the accomplice, uh, she participated in um, the dismemberment and and uh, burial of Vanessa's remains um, and withheld information while the family was searching for months. So she, uh, up until this really recent point, uh, last week, I believe or a week and a half ago, she was um, trying to get her confession thrown out. She did that, I think, three times. Mm -hmm. And um, so she's recently finally pled uh, guilty. And, um, you know, I think that was a watershed moment for the family and provided some relief. And so the next step is uh, sentencing, which should happen in the next... Um, 80 days or so. Okay. And what do you want the legacy of this film to be? I think um, it's critical that we show uh, that there is hope for democracy in America um, and that it's also really important that uh, this is not an issue uh that we allow to continue to persist without action in terms of legislation and as a culture. Mm. Um, and so I hope the film continues to spread awareness and keep this issue uh, at the forefront. Um, and as the lawyer in the film says, it needs to be a mainstream issue. It can't just be for members of the military. It needs to be for everyone to mm. continue to sort of focus on because, um, you know, these are everyone's uh, sons and daughters and friends that are um, being harmed in this institution. So awareness is important. Well, and, and thank you for raising that awareness and, and thanks to the family and uh, thanks for this film because I think it's, um, I, ultimately it's quite uplifting, I found it. 
uh, I don't know if that was your intention or what you imagined was going to happen when you first started. I mean, did you, because, ha- okay, you, you, you started really filming uh, sort of the second round with trying to get the legislation through, but, you know, you didn't know how that was going to play out. Um, you know, did you, did you imagine you would be coming to this place, that this is the film that you were heading towards? You know, that's a good point. We really didn't know how the legislation was going to um, play out, what the result would be, um, if there would be an, an ending that was reasonable or, or in, right. interesting for the film. Um, it was uh, incredible that it played out the way it did. Um, but yeah, all very unpredictable elements. And, um, you know, we were very hopeful because we were witnessing the family. They'd already been through the disappointment of the first bill failing. So, um I honestly was, I remember, I was just like, I don't know how we're, we're going to handle, I couldn't handle watching them, their disappointment if it didn't right. pass. So right. um really pleased it worked out the way it did. Well, uh, we are too. Um, well, I think we're actually coming close to the end of our time together. Uh, but uh, I, what's next for you? I mean, I'm sure you're still uh, uh, enjoying the success of... Uh, of your film, I am Vanessa Guillen, but uh, do you have anything else uh, lined up? What what what's next for you? Yeah, you know, I this is really um, just further sort of impressed upon me that I want to work on projects that you know have a bigger sort of impact in the world, um, issues that are important, although they're really difficult uh, emotionally to work on. So for me, I'm uh, I'm looking at a few projects that also tackle some pretty big issues um you know gender discrimination um i can't speak too specifically about but you know staying in this sort of um genre and and world is important well well i hope you do and thank you and uh, if we haven't scared you off we'd love to have you on again when those uh one of those projects uh drops and uh hopefully is on netflix again um and um Yeah, just to remind our listeners and viewers that we've been talking with uh, Christy Wagner, director and producer of I Am Vanessa Guillen, currently streaming on Netflix. Highly recommend that you check it out. Thanks again, uh, Christy. It's been a pleasure having you on. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Matthew. I appreciate it so much. I also would like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big shout out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. Big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. Please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.